Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Well, as many of you know, we just wrapped up our Blister Summit, and it was amazing. But we are pretty tired and our brains might not be firing on all cylinders just yet. We might just need another day or two to recover. Nevertheless, I wanted to catch up with Luke Kappa because I didn't really get a chance to actually talk to him all that much at the summit. And he and I were both skiing a bunch of different skis. And I was kind of missing my like check-in with Luke to hear about the stuff he'd been skiing. And so basically... That's what you're going to get. We're just doing it as a Gear 30 podcast. So yeah, you know, Ski Talk with Luke and Jonathan. This episode of Gear 30 is presented by our blister-recommended shop in Norway, Vertical Playground. And VPG has a message specifically for our Norwegian listeners and for those of you who will go there this spring to do some beautiful ski touring in the Fjordlands. The folks at Vertical Playground want you to know that there is still plenty of snow in the mountains and you're going to get some really long days now. This is the prime touring season in Norway and you can go to www.vpg.no to get your backcountry gear, whether that is avi gear or climbing skins or even a new pair of boots or skis. Or even better, you can stop by the shop in Optel on your way to the mountains and get some condition updates, inside tips, or professional boot fitting, too. Spring is also the time for steeper ski mountaineering adventures, and when it comes to safety and climbing equipment, VPG has your back. So just go speak to their expert staff about your needs. They are available via chat or email or phone, and you can find all of that on their webpage or in person at their shop. And if you are new to touring, check out the tips and advice section on their webpage. It might help you get more out of your ski trips. And with the help of Chrome's Google Translate function, this section might also be really interesting for our listeners all over the world. Finally, if you happen to be one of those people who are ready for all the snow to melt and your favorite mountain bike trails to open in Norway, well, if you haven't already had your suspension serviced, now is the time to take your bike into the shop to get it all dialed and ready for bike season. So again, head over to www.vpg.no to check out Vertical Playground online or go see them in the town center of Optel, Norway. And with that, it's time here for me to talk to Lou Kappa about a dozen skis that we got on at the Blister Summit. Here we go. Well, Lou Kappa... It's me and you, and only me and you, in Blister Headquarters. This is the, there's the calm before the storm, and then there's, the, is there the calm after the storm? Nah, I, don't, I don't think I have a great way of summing that up. <laughs> First of all, I think it's fair to say, I don't want to speak for your brain, but my brain is still definitely kind of just mush, in like a good way, like, it's been amazing. This summit was amazing. We're going to talk a little bit about it. I'm not functioning yet at 100% uh, on a, you know, 
intellectual level. So apologies for all the misspeaks. <laughs> See? Yep, there you go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're both pretty beat. Our team is beat, but I can tell you, I, I, I'm just so proud of the team. And like this event was an A plus in my little humble opinion, but like the feedback we were getting from participants and the brands here, like this was quite a thing that just happened. And, uh, I promise that's like no hyperbole. Yeah. I, right after the kind of closing panel sessions on the last day of the summit, I had to bail a little bit early because my family had scheduled a video call. And that was, I think, when it finally hit me how well it had gone because they were all asking about it. And it was the first time I was talking to someone who was like not here for it. So I was pretty blown away by how it all went. Yeah. Conditions were amazing. <laughs> summit A, storm skiing. Summit B, perfect bluebird with incredible coverage, everything was going. And new openings every and, day. Yep. Like I was telling everyone, I was like, you guys were here for the best week of skiing so far this season. I feel like I nailed that timing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of, you know, we'll see. Not all future summits will have unreal conditions. We're still going to have a really good time. Um, I'm sure of that. We're going to talk today about some of the products that we got on among a bunch of participants, but you know, we were skiing stuff too. And, and you and I, I mean, we skied some laps together, but we were often just in different groups and kind of just skiing with different people. So you and I really haven't like debriefed about like anything yet. So that's kind of why we're doing this. And I kind of wanted to just give Kara and Kristen and Sasha a break because they were doing massive, massive heavy lifting behind the scenes. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just link up with you on this one and we'll we'll talk a bit. And then we're going to later, once we've all actually caught our breath and like brain power is back closer to 100%, we're going to do a bigger summit recap conversation at some point. This is just our like quick and dirty, let's get air some like initial impressions. See, Luke, this is the episode where you know how I call you like after a weekend and I'm like, what were you on and what were you doing? And then we talk for like 30 minutes on the phone and I just say like, I should have recorded that. This is that episode. Yeah, we're finally recording. We're finally doing it. it. One last thing though, before we get there, the panel sessions, which I was really pleased with and proud of. I'm curious whether you had a favorite. Yeah, for me, it was the athlete panel at like professional skiing and the mental game Yep, with Drew Peterson, Sandra Hadley, Wendy Fisher, and uh, Johnny Collinson. Yeah. Um, and I think like pro professional athletes being more open about mental health and the mental aspects of their lives has become a slightly more common thing lately. I, I don't think I've ever seen people be that open and especially the main thing for me was that many different perspectives yep. all at once. Cause yep. I mean, Wendy's been a professional skier for years and years and some of the other people were newer, but, um, all of them had very different perspectives that were not only super interesting, but like, frankly, quite powerful. Yep. Like they were brutally honest yep. and you don't often get that. Um, so that's one that I think everyone will definitely want to watch, uh, on our YouTube channel when it gets posted. Yeah. And it was funny after each panel session, people would come up to me and like, would say like, that was my favorite. And then we'd do the next one. I was like, that was my favorite. And so, you know, you know, it was interesting. I just, I'm pretty happy that, you know, 
I don't think we had a single bad one, but it was cool to see different conversations resonate with different people for different reasons. And it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of exactly how this should go. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm with you though. That was, um, that was a special one. And, uh, I can't wait to now we just get all these edited and posted. And so, yeah, a little more work to do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. As you told our video guys, video is easy. You just hit record and that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Actually, they were the ones saying that to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, and shout out, um, shout out to Taylor Ahern and Chad Reich. Um, we were just talking before we hit the record button. Like they're both such nice people and fun people. And, you know, they were just doing great, making adjustments on the fly with, with all the, we, I mean, we filmed, I think 34 different videos during this thing, 12 panel sessions, and then a bunch of these brand lineup videos. So we've got a lot of editing work to do, but man, they were a pleasure to work with. So shout out to those two. Okay. We can do this. This is just, this isn't like our total top favorite skis from the summit. This is just a few, this is our phone call. This is a, our phone call. It's like, what yeah, do you want? Our phone calls are notoriously always short. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's one of our common four minute phone calls. Yeah. Um, get us started. What, uh, well, actually, first of all, you, the first thing you have written in our little doc is Flylo stuff. Yeah. We, uh, just like, we've been cleaning up HQ and trying to get everything reorganized. Shout out to Dylan Wood and Kara, Kara Williard for helping with that. It looks a lot better than it did, but swung by the shipping bay found a package for us from Flylo. Um, and I'd kind of forgotten that Kristen had asked me about next year's stuff. And I, I don't know how many details I can spew at this point, but one of them <laughs> is a men's pink anorak <laughs> and it looks fantastic. Huh. Um, and yeah, I mean, it looks like good. So you might even like it. Um, the other is, a what I think is a pretty exciting new bib product that I just have to I have to talk to Dan before I, I spill the beans on that one. But yeah, I pulled the pink men's anorak out of the package. I was like, Jonathan's gonna get a kick out of this. Is it in the back? Oh yeah, you okay. can check it out later. I'll check it out later. But I, I was with Dylan and Kara. I was like, all of us can wear this. <laughs> if I was gonna rock an anorak, I probably would go with pink. Mm -hmm. So all right, I'll, I'll check it out after. I also love. This is not a shout out to Kristen. She sure didn't tell me that like time to put in the Flylo order, but you made a fair point that that I've been kind of that's kind of been my kit. Yeah, we we are very fortunate in that a lot of us ski the same size, at least same size boot, Mondo size and similar length skis, but apparel is one area where you tend to prefer a large, I tend to prefer a medium or even a small in some stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's the one where we, we have to kind of figure out who, who gets it. And pretty much everything was size large fly low last year. That's fair and true. Yeah. I, I got completely left out of this one people. <laughs> so anyway, okay, cool. All right. My turn. I just have a couple of things I'm going to single out. And then there are a few things on your list that I'll chime in on, but I would have to say if there was the most surprising ski that I got on over the course of Summit A and Summit B, I'm still surprised. I'm surprised to announce this right now. It was the Kessley ZX-115. I freaking loved that ski. I skied it in a 186 centimeter length and I got on it at Summit B, caught some terrain openings on it and 
it's kind of my favorite version of a pow ski given where i ski the most so like i don't really need that pow ski that is only good in pow i really get excited about a ski i mean if i'm you know heli skiing or cat skiing or just backcountry touring for pow cool like just be great at straight up pow and i'll be real happy but for a lot of inbound skiing it's like you catch some lines of pow and then you we end up skiing a lot of steeper sections where there's some scraped off sections in the rest and so i really really like it when my pow ski handles all mountain and variable conditions really well and that kessley zx 115 was just money like i and i'm frankly i'll this is here's a bit of like maybe bias i wondered if it's like okay this ski is going to feel too sharp not loose enough you know kind of be set up for like ripping groomers on a 115 millimeter wide ski no it was dialed excellent edge hold when i wanted it easy to pivot when i wanted it stable in chop and cut up conditions and so i realize what i'm if i'm getting all excited it's like cool you're getting excited about what you jonathan like in particular for like that 115 to 118 millimeter wide ski and i acknowledge that is true but i would be putting that kessley zx 115 like in league with the rosy black ops 118 that black ops is a more forward mounted ski i'm not saying they're the same but some of the characteristics that i've been talking about it's up there for me with the the rosy black ops 118 and the 190 centimeter moment wildcat 118 which we might as well just just do it all right yeah um all right here it is ladies and gentlemen this will be much shorter as some of you know we've had some some drama over the last several years about what was my favorite ski in the world the 190 centimeter moment bibby pro and then moment blister pro well then there was this thing where that ski somehow accidentally got a lot lighter which i wasn't thrilled with personally just me but moment brought a 190 centimeter wildcat to the summit and i skied it and i was like this ski is fully back and i just sort of summed up what i like in kind of a pow ski and like it was great and i'm looking forward to getting more time on it but i know i've just kind of talked about what i personally like in a kind of resort pow ski and yeah, I think the moment Wildcat back with some weight in it is hitting that mark for me. The Razi Black Ops 118 hitting that mark for me. And that Kessley ZX 115, it's very, very good. I'm done. I'm just going to sit here and listen to you talk for a while now, Luke. Cool. Well, yeah, I also, we, Dylan and I had gotten on the 184 wildcat earlier this season before it stopped snowing for a month everywhere um and i was like i'm pretty sure this is what the old one was like but i had only skied the old 190 so i didn't have an ab comparison so it was nice to hear you say that about the 190 and personally that 184 especially for crested butte is a pretty ideal resort powski for me as well it's got a good bit of heft and just substance to it, 
but it's still yeah easy to release and slide through tight and techy terrain it's predictable on groomers or firm snow um so yeah I, I snuck in a couple laps on that ski when it was dumping earlier in the summit nice i actually just thought of one other ski i should talk about but i'm gonna like i'll try to exercise some self-restraint here and might throw it in later okay where you want to go uh some of the skis i was most excited to ski at the summit uh because we hadn't uh seen any in person yet were all of the new fisher ranger skis yeah the ranger 102 fr was a, a blister favorite for a long time i got along well with the 94 and the 99 the 107 had its had its ardent fans i got to ski the new Ranger 102 and 108 on, I believe it was the second to last day of the summit because they were always gone yeah. when I went by the Fisher booth to try them. Um, and it was cool. Like I personally got along quite well with them. And I think, frankly, I think they'll probably sell more of them, huh. but I do think they're fairly different skis. Um, the 102 clicked with me a bit more. And the main thing that stood out with, for me was that the ends of the tips and tails felt notably softer, potentially both longitudinally and torsionally. And that made it feel significantly more forgiving to me, especially in bumps. Like I could get away with sloppier technique. Um, also significantly looser than the old ones. I thought the tails and the tips, honestly, were easier to kind of schmear around mm. um, in anything from like chalky to full soft conditions. I still really, really like how they carve. Um, with the softer feeling tips, I think it was easier to initiate and bend them and get them on edge. Um, but they still held an edge very well, even on like scraped off international end of the day. So yeah, I, I thought they were a lot of fun, skied them in a pretty wide range of conditions in a single day, given that we had gotten like two feet of snow yeah. and parts of the mountain were still like soft chop and parts were like chalky and the, the groomers were amazing, especially in the mornings. Um, so I, I very much enjoyed my time on them. My main takeaway as for like the upcoming long-term test, which we're working on, I'm very curious how they ski with the bindings push forward. Cause on both skis, more so the 108, I felt like they let me ski both forward and centered on the recommended line where they were mounted at the summit. But I kept thinking like, I bet these skis will still ski really well with the bindings move forward and will feel a bit more balanced and a bit more playful overall. So we'll see if that's, if that suspicion proves true, uh, in the future. Yeah. And I skied both of those skis, spent more time on the Ranger 102. I'm not sure that I'm completely in agreement with you on this ski yet. I really liked it and I haven't even had a chance to read your flash review yet, but I've, it's like people I think know I loved the old one and often said that's one of my absolute favorite skis for Crested Butte when it hasn't snowed in a bit. And I really liked this new one as well. I'm definitely going to need to like get into more days on it and do the AB um, against the older version to, to start teasing out some of these I feel like you have a more determined or clearer sense about the performance of the new one. Whereas right now I'm like, I didn't feel like the old one, old one was like difficult to pivot. I just liked how it performed kind of everywhere. And I haven't found a spot yet with the new 102 where I'm like, I, 
I like the this performance aspect less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and a, an important point is you, despite my suggestion to not do this, you have been skiing the old 102 much more recently than I have. Like I think you skied a bunch last season. Not a bunch. Not as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't skied the original in a while. So I'm whenever we get the new one, yeah. we still have the original one mounted up with yep. bindings. So I'm very, very curious to see if all these thoughts I had this week are as accurate as I think they are. Yeah. Um, and we also had, I think, almost all of our reviewers skied th- at least one of those skis this week. Yeah. So we'll be getting in a, a, a pretty wide variety of perspectives. Yeah. And we'll just do our long-term yeah. work on both of those skis. And um, yeah. So anyway, definitely interesting though. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go? Um, I, I'm going to go to what was probably my personal favorite ski of the week. And this is super uh, subjective and very, very specific to my personal preferences. But so Wagner skis had, they had all the summit skis that they brought from last year, but they also had a few new models, including a 109 that Drew Kelly skied, I think the first day. And he was pretty excited about it. And he described it as a, a more forward mounted version of some of the summit skis. And that got my interest peaked because I thought the summit, like all the summit skis from Wagner that I've skied, I thought were really, really well done, but they're all designed around a pretty traditional like minus 10 mount point. But every time I went by the Wagner booth, the 109 was out. And eventually on like, I think it was the first day of Summit B, um, one of the Wagner guys who was working there, Will, was like, and look, man, like I've got my personal ski in my car. It's like, based on what you're describing, like, I think you might like it. And I was like, are you sure? Uh, like there are a lot of rocks here. He's like, ah, it's already pretty beat up. So I took that out and yeah, it turns out apparently Will and I have very similar ski preferences. Huh. Um, it was the morning that I randomly ran into you and Jed Yeiser of K2 and we <laughs> were still skiing pretty amazing conditions at that point. And yeah, that ski like just, super easy to pivot has very deep rocker lines a little bit of camber um and it's an aspen core but he added metal to it and so it was a kind like pretty playful freestyle friendly ski but had some heft and stability to it and also like super poppy um which kind of surprised me a few times uh, but it was one of those skis where i could just get on it first turns and ski exactly how i wanted which was pretty cool Um, and I think, I mean, the more Wagner skis I get on from their quote factory summit series of skis, which aren't like they're designed to work for a lot of people to apparently Will's custom ski. I just become more and more confident that these people have a pretty good, uh, grasp on, on ski design. Um, so that one was really cool. I think I've only spent a little bit of time on a Rossignol sickle, but Huh. That's Whoa. one of the skis that... Oh, shit just got real. I'm not the biggest sickle fan. I only skied the 180-ish centimeter, which is probably why, but that ski kind of made me think of a, a more stable sickle, uh, which I think it's that in the Folsom primary in the subtle reverse camber that have reminded me the most of the sickle. Okay, so do I need to go steal Will's personal ski? Or just ask Pete to make an identical Sen- one. Okay. Yeah, if you start throwing around the word sickle, 
then Pete Wagner. Yeah, we're going to need one of these. <laughs> um, so let's talk. He actually texted me a bit ago and I haven't replied. So this is a perfect opportunity there you go. to answer question, demand the Will's sickle ski. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming in the story. I was like, well, during my time on it, I was like trying to think of what it reminded me of. And then after I got off, I was like, oh, the sickle. Uh, wow. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I, you, you've probably spent more time on a sickle than I have, but I know it's one of those skis that we continue to get questions yep. from blister members about what's the replacement. And I've talked to several who were very happy with a Folsom primary 110. Yeah. But it's a primary 110, at least the version I've skied. Not, It's not a sickle. It's a really good ski. It's poppy as hell. It's really interesting. But like, and Mike could yeah, it tune all depends something on, around. Yeah, what the construction ends up being. Um, but I know uh, a person who used to be my neighbor tried, tried our primary and then went to Folsom uh, got his own custom version of it, and he said that was the that was the closest thing he'd found up until that point to huh. a sickle replacement. And for those of you who haven't been reading Blister for eleven years, <laughs> go Google Rosignal Sickle on our website, and then you'll start getting getting brought up to speed a bit here, and you'll understand why why Luke is throwing around some serious terms that. I sure hope he's not, you know, throwing those around lightly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's Will's pair. Circle back about the version that was actually at the test and that you didn't steal out of a car. Yeah, I finally got on the 109 either Saturday or Sunday of Summit B. Um, and yeah, really like that ski as well. Basically, my like one sentence review would be like, it's a more forward mounted, more playful Wagner Summit 106 a fairly lightweight ski that performs really well for its weight, very quick and maneuverable, but caters to a more centered stance. Did you ski it? No. Okay. You kind of just blew my mind again though. Cause like I love the last year's summit 106 and Kristen loves it. Mm-hmm. And you're saying this one is a bit more forward mounted and more playful. Huh? Yeah. But the most surprising thing is that Drew Kelly liked it. Okay, this is the weirdest Gear 30 episode of all time, okay? Well, that's why we're going to be publishing flash reviews from all sorts of reviewers over the coming weeks. But yeah, it was not what I, when I, after I knew that Drew liked it and several other people liked it, I was surprised by what it turned out to be in my, from my perspective, Um, because it's not some super damp, super stable ski. Uh, It's much more like the Wagner Summit 106 than the 107. The 107 is a far more heavy and damp ski it still gets knocked around and like by then the snow had settled up a bit it wasn't quite as soft and like had to be a bit more on your toes but like the summit 106 for me super intuitive does a lot of things really well carves really well still for how easy it is to pivot in tight terrain um but yeah for like a kind of quick quick and easy ski that you can still ski hard for how um, light it is. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Hmm. Where you want to go next? Um, let's talk about the line blade optic series. Cause <laughs> I, I talked to a lot of attendees who heard the gear 30 yeah. episode where I very clearly tried to explain that I was so excited about the blade optics because of how well they work for me. Don't work for everyone. 
Um, I also think there might have been some tune weirdness huh. going on with the blade optics at the summit. I, I think our review pairs were money based on talking to a lot of attendees and uh, Dylan Wood. They left a, a 185 centimeter blade optic 104 for us. It's a little bit edge high at the tips and tails, which I think explains what I was hearing from people. Hmm. Anyways, got on the 114 this week. Turns out uh, the weather gods provided and we got some snow and just clicked with it right away. The main thing that stood out to me, like there's definitely some family resemblance between all the blade optics. The 114 feels like the most ski out of all of them by a pretty significant margin. Mm. It does feel stiffer, feels more damp, more stable. And I think it makes sense given that a lot of their, they have some pretty hardcore free ride athletes these days. And that is apparently the ski that they're on the most and skiing it this week makes sense it is yeah it feels like it encourages you to ski a bit harder and faster at the same time kind of like a moment wildcat it's it's you don't have to be on your a game 100 percent of the time still pretty easy to throw it sideways and shut down speed or get a little bit back seat but it's not it's not as like ultra snappy and um easy to flex and playful as the narrower ones but I think that's another ski for people who want a pretty versatile, pretty stable, but also fairly maneuverable and playful powder ski. Um, that's another one to add to the list. You might actually like it. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to what a way to end that. You <laughs> might actually like it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward. Uh, you were like, you are not allowed to ski the Blade Optic 104 in the. 178 centimeter yeah, length that's that they the one sent. we had for the yeah. past few weeks and you're like you're not allowed to ski it yeah <laughs> but now that we have the 185 like i look forward to checking that out mm-hmm. and sounds for you know i hate to be stereotyped but given what you've said it does sound like i might get along pretty well with that 114 yeah okay where to uh do you want to talk about some skis we both skied Yes. Uh, let's start with one of the other big surprises, uh, the Icelandic Saba Pro 117. Yeah. Uh, that was a ski that they brought last year, but we didn't really have the snow conditions that encouraged me to take out a <laughs> reverse cambered 117 millimeter underfoot ski. But this week we did. Yes, we did. Um, and I took that out at the end of a pretty long day of skiing pow and soft chop and skiing pretty hard and then we went out for some photo laps at the end of the day we were doing a bit of stopping and starting and skiing some tight trees and i was just really happy with how maneuverable and easy and quick the ski felt especially given its size it just felt like super easy to me um which i appreciated but when we made like apron of headwall or uh paradise cliffs area where it's pretty open fairly consistently soft snow still felt pretty comfortable making some bigger turns not it definitely gets knocked around more in firmer crud than the blade optic 114 or moment wildcat um but just a really intuitive ski for me and i think especially for people who ski a lot of tight trees dude like that's ding ding yeah yeah. Yeah. As again, it's really important. I, and you all know this by now, but hearing you say, Luke, that when you were raving on a previous Gear 30 podcast about that line, Blade Optic 96, and you're like, I love this personally, just kind of remember not that many people are exactly you. Mm-hmm. You know, here, I just got done saying at the top, I tend to like a 
heavier pow, like all mountain pow ski. And some people don't, right? And so for me on that Saba Pro 117, for like a lot of the truly all mountain stuff, I did want a bit more ski. But like, I don't do anything cool on skis, right? Like I'm not tricking, I'm not spinning. So it's easy for me to be like, yeah, for people who are spinning, I get, right, the trade-off of like, they just don't want so much kind of directional stability that I might um, because they're doing, you know, cool things on the mountain. That said, I had a freaking blast on that Saba Pro 117 skiing tight trees off of the East River lift Mm. and just flashing trees, right? And so if I was at a ski area where, you know, our pow days was mostly skiing tight trees in like good snow, doesn't have to be wild deep snow, just like good snow. That for me personally is where it's like, that was the standout element of the Saba Pro. And if you're like, yeah, my pow days are skiing tight trees fast or even slow, frankly, Mm -hmm. it's so maneuverable. That's where it just really stood out for me. Totally. Maybe this was the second most surprising ski I got on the new K2 Dispatch 120, which I skied in a 186 centimeter length. And we have that in for long-term testing as well. Sweet. Basically, this is a ski I really shouldn't like because of its weight. This is a light ski that is, yes, 120 millimeters wide. And in case you haven't heard us the first couple times we said this, we were in conditions this past week that like absolutely like were appropriate for a 120 millimeter wide ski. Unless you were Paul forward. <laughs> the first, Shut, the yeah. first day he like asked about what skis to get on and I recommended some skis in that width because it like it hasn't snowed in a while. I was like, what do you mean? It's not a it's not a pow day. I was like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> That's our anyway. <laughs> Paul Forward, who is our lead heli guide reviewer in Girdwood, Alaska. Apparently, an eight inch pow day isn't enough for, for Paul. Yeah. But collectively, what did we end up getting? It was close to two feet over yeah. about three days. Yeah, screw yeah. you, Paul. Especially with all the new terrain openings. Yeah. Like there were times where you were skiing two two plus. Feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw you, Paul. <laughs> um, speaking of Paul Forward, though. We both really liked this ski. Paul and I really liked this ski. And we were skiing this thing hard in inbounds conditions, which is to say that mix of some of it was untracked pow, and then some of it would be like steep, moguled up stuff. And I don't have the exact weight. We haven't done a measured weight yet on the Dispatch 120, but like I promise you this is a, a, a ski that I would tour on. Um, if for going pow touring, just was really impressed by how well a ski that light held up to some pretty demanding all mountain skiing. Yeah, it's a very, the whole series. So we have, did you get on others? I got, I, I actually skied the 110 today. Huh. Um, but like we said, our brains aren't exactly functioning at a hundred percent. And I thought we only had a 177. So I skied that and it's a ski with extremely deep rocker lines. So that ski felt quite short today. Um, But thankfully, Kara let me know that we also have a longer, a longer version. I think it's like a 186. So we have the, the 101, the 110 and the 120. Um, So we'll be skiing all of those, but I, it's a very different design. Like these are nothing like the K2 Waybacks. 
No, like they're nothing. Very different in terms of in terms of shape, rocker profile, and especially construction. K2 is doing some pretty interesting things with the construction on the uh, dispatch skis. Uh, most notably, they have more metal in them than the K2 Mindbenders. What? Uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting. We'll be posting more about it on our on our site, um, so keep an eye out for that. But yeah, very deep rocker lines, lots of metal in them, but still quite light. Pretty straight side cut, uh, fairly tapered. And I my takeaway after my brief time on a very short version of those skis today was that I can't wait to ski them in the backcountry. Yep, because like we we're now in some super strange, super warm weather cycle. It does not feel like it snowed two feet last right. week anymore. Um, and that ski felt fairly out of place today. But I think a lot of skis did. Anyway, I think the design they came up with has the potential to be really cool in varied backcountry conditions. I suspect that these skis are going to perform above average in weird crusty snow. Hmm. Um, and also probably be pretty stable for their weight based, especially based on what you and Paul said. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mostly I'm, I'm curious to start skinning on them and see what I think there. I think we're going to talk about our last skis here. The Rosignal Sender 104 TI. Yep. I, I didn't know if the 104 was, had the they're, TI they're, designation all or not. the senders are TIs now because of some minor construction updates that you can learn more about on our site. <laughs> okay. And then we might talk about the 106 TI plus. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I skied the sender 104 TI one morning um, when I realized I hadn't skied nice corduroy in probably weeks because we, it hadn't snowed in forever and they were just grooming over pretty firm conditions when you groom using two feet of fresh natural snow, turns out makes for amazing corduroy at 9.15 a.m. And I loved how the the 21-22 Black Ops Sender carved. The 22-23 Sender 104Ti is the replacement to that ski. It's a very minor update in terms of construction. Basically, they extended the metal plate underfoot a bit further out towards the ends of the ski. Yeah, in terms of turn initiation and edge hold and especially energy coming out of a turn, it was fantastic. I mean, like it was hero snow, but I did ski it like on some more scraped off stuff. Still really enjoyed it. Fantastic groomer ski for its width and also really fun in bumps, but definitely kept me more on my like kept me honest Mm -hmm. uh it's got a it didn't feel like it was the stiffest tail in the world but it was a very energetic tail and it definitely wasn't a super forgiving tail in bumps especially tight bumps but when i could find a bump line where i wasn't getting stood up by a square edged mogul in the middle of it and got into a rhythm really started to enjoy it Mm. um and yeah reminded me i mean it feels very similar to the ski it replaced I think the main difference is, yeah, it feels a little bit stronger overall, maybe even a touch more energetic than the previous ski, which is already pretty poppy. Um, but I was I was surprised how much I enjoyed that ski. Hmm. Did you spend any time on the 106 Ti? I did plus? not, but I think almost every other reviewer yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, I spent a good bit of time on that and would be curious to get on the 104 now. Short answer on that, I, again, 
very initial impressions here and my brain is a little mushy, but my thought was that I may have preferred this new one a bit more than I did the previous iteration. That said, I'm going to need to AB both to like really get clear on that. And I might come back to where it's like the differences are actually pretty, pretty subtle. Yeah. Interesting ski. I think that this is a case where the tune you put on the ski can have a lot, you know, I know that's kind of true of all skis, but sometimes I'm like, I think you could dial in like how loose you want this ski to be. Our pair at the demo, the 106 Ti was like, felt amazing on groomers. And it was like, okay, but there were some moments in really steep, messed up terrain um, where I maybe got one or two people clipped out, like kind of badly. Maybe ones who work at Rosignol. <laughs> maybe, yep. Shout out to one person who will remain nameless. Um, there were some moments where like, yeah, like loosening up that tail a little more, I would be willing to sacrifice some edge hold on groomers um, to have that in steep, cliffed out terrain. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, interesting stuff. And I, I really want to get on the Sender 94. Yeah. It, it's funny. We used to kind of do this every year and maybe we aren't doing it as much where we would kind of like look at where are the most interesting, what would we call it? Like the most interesting three or four millimeters. I think we said four millimeters yeah. in skiing. And I'm, I just keep finding myself really curious in about this kind of 92 to 96 millimeter range. Um, I'm curious about the Fisher Ranger 96, the mm -hmm. Rossi Sender 94. You know, I've been spending a lot of time on the J-Ski's Master Blaster 92 underfoot. Um, there's just, I don't know, it just seems like an interesting category and uh, with some interesting contenders in there. So Yeah, especially like given the, the past two months where we had a long dry spell, but we had gotten so much snow that we were still skiing Oh, everywhere yeah. on the mountain totally. and you could still get into some kind of either punchier or chalkier yep. snow where a really skinny ski is not going to be totally totally ideal but we're still skiing firm groomers and still wanted to carve so yeah that that kind of like mid 90s range yep. um is definitely one i've been interested lately yeah well i think we're ready to wrap with our um what we're celebrating this week's segment i'll let you start okay i I'm actually now going to pick up um, a little dram of Whistled Pig piggyback six-year-old rye. I have to say, another like star of the summit was the Whistled Pig piggyback maple syrup old fashions that were served at every panel session. We also had athletic brewing companies. We had their IPA, their hazy IPA, and their and their upside dawn golden ale which that was pretty clutch because having to lead a bunch of panel sessions and then we both were doing brand lineup videos probably wouldn't have been great to just start crushing uh whistle pig maple syrup old fashions at 5 p.m when we were still going to like well actually like two in the morning some days um so that was a nice blend and then we also could switch that up with some revel shine wine which we also had at the summit. And so that was pretty cool. That's a cool collection of companies and we love all of them. And you've heard us actually talk with all three of those companies on other podcasts we've done. But yeah, um, And as someone from Wisconsin where the old fashioned is the drink of official state drink, 
those were quite good. Oh, yeah. I normally am not a whiskey old-fashioned person. Brandy old-fashions are Wisconsin's thing. Huh. But that's probably the best whiskey old-fashioned I've had. We've never had this conversation before. <laughs> you used to drink brandy old fashions? They're really good. And I mean, maybe it's Stockholm Syndrome from growing up in Wisconsin where that is the only way you're allowed to make an old fashioned, but it is very good. And someday I'll show you my dad's recipe because it is very detailed. Wow. Okay. I'd love to have an old fashioned with your dad sometime. Maybe. He would too. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. Let's 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 set this up. Okay, well, anyway, right now, I just have some whistle pig piggyback neat in front of me. And uh, this one's pretty easy this week. Yeah, that was an amazing, that was an amazing past seven, eight days that we just had. Getting to see so many cool people in the industry, getting to meet so many new people who were Blister members and people in the Blister audience. And uh, we had a lot going on and it was busy we pulled it all off. It was incredible. That was my first time getting to hang out with and ski with and talk a lot with Drew Peterson. Um, first time meeting Sander Hadley in person. It was great linking up again with McKenna Peterson. You know, getting to ski lines with Chris Davenport and Wendy Fisher. Got to meet for the first time, I think one of my new favorite people in the world, Dylan Flinders. Nicest kid in the world who just goes beast mode. And so skiing laps with him and like watching him make this place his playground. Yeah. Um, that was wild. It it just was fantastic. And, you know, by the way, Johnny Collinson was also here. Johnny's currently injured and so wasn't skiing, but that was my first time meeting Johnny. We sat down in HQ, had a long conversation, exchanged a couple ideas, maybe some things we might be working on in the future together. That was really, really cool getting to know him. And again, Luke already talked about at the front, like that panel session, the mental game. Johnny had some really good things to say on that front too. And I'm so proud of our team. You were great, but like you're just pretty much always great. But Kristen and Sasha and Kara and others were just Dylan and Drew Kelly. People were just killing it at this thing. And everybody kept coming back to me and be like, your team is amazing. And I'm like, I know. That's what I would just say to them. <laughs> so really excited and um, would like to recover a little bit now from this. But I I can't wait for next year. And I, Kristen and I had a long phone call today about things we're going to do different next year. And uh, we, we got something really good going on here. I'm excited to just share it with more people and keep it going. Yeah, I think it was better than, I mean, I don't want to say better than I expected because I knew how much work went yeah. into it. But yeah, I, th I think it took till the end of the week for me to really realize like how cool that actually was. Um, yeah. On that note, like also kind of celebrating the same thing. But at the same time, like I said, we got like full on spring conditions today. Uh, it's supposed to be like 40 plus degrees the next two days, which does make me a little bit sad. But at the same time, I didn't ski slush in a while yeah. in the sun uh, on skis that are fun and with some friends that I just happened to run into on the mountain today. So that made me very excited. Got a few friends coming into town in the coming weeks. Spring skiing with people you like hanging out with is, I think, one of the best things in the world. So looking forward to that. But hopefully it's after like a few more storms. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like if you like skiing and you like skiing cool terrain and you like skiing cool terrain 
either while it's pow storming or just bluebird and then surround yourself with i don't know a couple hundred really cool people that's what this was and uh mm-hmm. pretty great um and there's a bunch of people i didn't name including jed Yeiser, who i finally skied with uh-huh. <laughs> um which was awesome so again we could go on but i'm i'm gonna leave it at that and just for everybody that was here and listening to this, that was fantastic. And thank you for just making like an incredibly special, incredibly special time together here in Mount Crested Butte. So I'll raise my glass to all of you. Cheers. Cheers. And that, Luke, I think brings us to the end of this edition of Gear 30. Thanks, Luke, for the conversation. Thanks to everybody who made the summit amazing. Thanks to our strikingly handsome podcast producer justin bob for producing this episode and from all of us here in gunnison all the way up to mount crested butte please take good care of yourself and everybody else and we'll be talking to you soon when we get our whole podcast network back on track but luke i don't think you know this it might be the case that next week's gear 30 that might be an episode with cody townsend he reached out and said he wanted to do a gear 30 about some myth busting things like five myth busting things i'm very curious to hear what they are yeah so that that might if if uh, i don't know cody's schedule right now but if my brain starts working again and he's freed up i think that's next week's gear 30 so should be should be a fun one cool all right everybody take care